Can you see me? There's people I can't see. Rob, hey. <laughs> We're in John chapter 15 today, 1 through 8. So if you want to turn there with me, you can, or on your phone. Um, Ryan already so wonderfully read that for us. I'm not going to read that again. In this past week, before I began, we we celebrated the life of Preston Heitzman and Mary is here with us today and Mary we're, we've been praying for you we love you and, and the rest of your family Michaela and Ty and kids and Rodney uh, any other family members here so yeah, we'll keep praying for you and anything you need just let us know we'd be happy to assist you as we can so we're thankful for Preston and for his life and it's always tough to say goodbye uh, to somebody that we know and love and who's been part of us. But it's also a joy to remember, remember lives and to honor lives of people who we know and love. Um, Preston was a fruit of the Lord. He remained in the vine. And I want to stay on this theme today. When I was younger, my family used to go to Anderson Orchard and we would go there to pick raspberries and to pick apples. And I would climb the tree, the biggest tree I could climb. Uh, they weren't tall trees. I wasn't like the Howard kids who are amazing climbers. Have you seen them climb these trees? They, make, they climb so high they make me nervous. Um, and I would climb up to the top of the tree, which was probably like five feet off the ground. I thought it was big stuff. And I'd go and reach for an apple that was ripe, lush, perfect. And I would just bring it off the vine, off the, the branch, and take a bite and sit back and relax and enjoy the sunshine through the trees. That was my memory of as a kid going to the orchard. And maybe you have some type of memory like that from when you were younger. And the health of the branch is determined by the fruit that it bears. If you see a branch that's not bearing fruit, you know that's not a good branch. There's nothing, there's no sustenance getting to the end of it. And it bears a fruit, but not just any fruit. It's always the right type of fruit. So it'd be strange if you would climb an apple tree and at the top you find an orange. Wouldn't that be weird? Or if you walked up to a grapevine and there you found a strawberry. That doesn't happen. Fruit is always consistent with the kind of plant that it is. And the fruit of a disciple is consistent with that of his or her teacher. So a Jesus vine produces Jesus fruit. And what's the fruit from the Jesus vine? He said, I'm the true vine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. What fruit is he talking about? And if you go on throughout that whole chapter, you'll find that uh, the fruit really is about prayer. And the prayer turns into people. But I also, based on the whole context of Scripture, I think it's also the fruit of the Spirit. Which are, can we say it together? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But I'm not going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. I want to focus on the prayer life and the fruit that comes from a prayer life. In verse 7, it says, If you remain in me or abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, now the, of all the verses in the Bible, that sounds most like a Disney verse, right? 
where if you ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you, almost like a genie. But that's not what God is talking about. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Later on in verse 16, it says, Whatever you ask for in my name, it will be given to you. Last week I preached on in the name of Jesus. And it seems kind of dangerous treating like God, treating God like he's there to serve you. Ask whatever I wish, it will be done for me. Well, I need this, Jesus, so give me this, give me this, give me this. But really, God is not the one who's there to serve me. God is the one to be served because he already came to serve me by giving his life for me. And God has already given me all that I need in Christ. Therefore, in prayer, we ought not to treat God like a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant who's there to take my order and bring me what I desire. But rather, we see God and we know God as a good father. And we are his beloved children who trust him to provide all that we need. I mean, think of the prayer warriors in your life. You know anybody who's a good prayer warrior? I remember my grandmother sitting at her table in the morning reading her Bible and praying and having that coffee in her hand, which I always uh, enjoy the smell of coffee. I can't enjoy the taste of coffee, but I enjoy the smell of coffee. And I remember going up to her and sitting on her lap and she would sing praises to God over me and that was a blessing to me. She was a prayer warrior. I remember seeing my grandfather kneeling at his bedside, praying the names of his children and praying for people that he loved and cared for. And that was a blessing for me to see that, him on his knees. And you can probably think of the people in your life, prayer warriors doing those things of spending time with God and abiding in him. And they're not there saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. They're there saying, you are God and there is no other. And I trust you in all things. The prayer warriors are the ones who have a humble posture of prayer declaring the glory and the power of God. And if there is any asking, it is, consistent, it is consistently for the salvation of people, for the healing of people, for the blessing of people, for the spreading of the gospel, for the reception of Jesus and for his help to help us enable us to hear his his words better and to love him more there is no disconnect between the father the son and his disciples especially in the area of prayer and remember a few weeks ago i preached on john chapter 20 where jesus said as the father has sent me so i send you receive the holy spirit and he breathed on them there is no disconnect between jesus being sent and us his disciples being sent he also said as i have loved you so you also ought to love one another there is no disconnect and even in acts after the resurrection uh, we have the book of Acts, and really, uh, before the ascension, Acts kind of picks up again, just before Jesus' ascension. But the very first verse in Acts chapter 1, it says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, when you hear that verse, what is the word that sticks out to you? Began. In my first book, the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. 
the question that should come up in our minds is, well, what does that mean? There's more? There's more of Jesus' ministry, of His teaching, of His doing, of His loving, of His touching and healing and restoring? There's more? How can there be more? And we see in Acts there is definitely an extension of Christ's ministry. There is a fruit of His incarnation, death, and resurrection. And I want to sh- share a story from you from for you from Acts chapter 6 and 8. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, this is 6 verse 1, the Grecian Jews among them complained to the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would, be, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the world. It's a calling of the church, of young people, to come and take a place of serving so that other leaders in the, in the church can focus on the ministry of prayer and the word. Basically, they're going to work in the food pantry and distribute food. That's what they're doing. And so they chose Stephen a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas. I've never heard some of these names given to children, so if you're going to have a baby soon, a baby boy, you can give him this name. If I had a baby boy coming, I would name him uh, Prochorus. That's what I would name. But it's a girl, so I have to choose something different. And Nicholas from Antioch, a convert of Judaism. So they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and they laid their hands on them almost like a picture of a vine where Jesus is there present with them and then they lay their hands and let's bear more fruit. Now these guys were already Christians but they're being sent out. And they laid their hands on them and here's what happened. So verse 7 is kind of a summary of all that is to follow. Verse 7 says, So the word of God spread. Now who is the word? And the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling place among us. The word of God spread. Yes, the communication, but really it's Jesus in the lives of people. The word of Christ dwelling in the lives of people, producing fruit. The word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, almost like a healthy branch, healthy vine, a healthy tree. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith, meaning priests, these Jewish priests who were not believers became believers. Unbelievers became believers in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then, here's here's how that fleshes out. We have the story of Stephen who was a young man who preached the gospel and was killed because of it. And then we have the story of Philip and his evangelism in Samaria, where he just went in there and healings were done and the word was preached and people became saved, the whole city. And we know that Jesus started that ministry with that Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. Do you remember that? The continuation, the fruitfulness of Christ's ministry throughout the world. 
And here we have a greater expansion in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. I'm going to tell you this story. An angel of the Lord told Philip, I want you to go down south to the, the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he saw this man being transported by his servants. And from his carriage, he, was, he heard reading of Scripture from Isaiah. And he listened closely. He was listening to the Lord and he was listening to what was going on around him. And as he heard the words of Isaiah, he got a little bit closer and probably just knocked on the door or the curtain or whatever they had back then and said, Hey, I like what you're reading. Can I talk to you about it? And he asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, How can I unless someone explains it to me? And he said, I'm glad you asked. So Philip came up and sat with him. And the eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Now that's a word that may speak to many people in our country today, around the world today. You mean Jesus? The Son of God was deprived of justice? He was treated unfairly? How could that happen? Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And so the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And with that, Philip began with that passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus the word of God himself. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What's to keep me from being baptized? Why shouldn't I be baptized? And so he gave the orders to stop the chariot and then both Philip and the eunuch went down. They went down to the river to pray. You know that song from, from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? They went down to the river or the body of water And Philip put him underneath. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as soon as he brought him up out of the water, what happened? The Spirit of the Lord swept in and whoo, took Philip off and placed him far away. And Philip appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, what a crazy ending to that story. Everything's normal about that story, except the sweeping away. It just shows us the hilarity of God, the amazing power of God, and his desire that he would bear fruit everywhere, anywhere and everywhere. And so because of Philip's fruitful prayer life, his intimacy with the Father, he was able to listen to the Lord, obey Him, respond to the needs of the Ethiopian eunuch, and baptize him. And this fruitful prayer life always produces the fruit that is people. And later on in the passage, John 15, it describes the fruit that this fruit will last. And really the Greek, it says, and your fruit will abide. Meaning it's people. It's always people. 
Yes, you can produce the fruit of the Spirit, and that's wonderful, and you need that. But the main fruit is always people, because we are called to make disciples. Jesus said, you do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go, just like Philip, and bear fruit, fruit that abides. Back in the early 1900s, on a farm in South Dakota, there was a family named the Johnsons, and they had eight boys, John Johnson and his seven brothers. They all lived on the farm. They were hard workers. And in their small town, there was a schoolhouse, which also was the place of worship. And an itinerant preacher, a Methodist preacher, a free Methodist preacher, came riding by and started a revival meeting in that schoolhouse. And one night he was there. Uh, the people heard about it, and the boys heard about it, and the boys were kind of a rough bunch of kids. And they said, hey, tonight... After the service, let's rough that preacher up and let's drive him out of town. So these seven, these eight brothers did that. They went to the service and they waited for him outside after the service. He got on his horse. They waited until he got a little bit of distance. Then they jumped out and spooked him, knocked him off his horse, and said, we're going to drive you out of town. We're going to beat you up. And the guy said, boys, before you do it, let me pray for you. And for some reason they agreed. He prayed for them. And they decided after he prayed that they would not beat him up. But instead that they would come the very next night to the meeting. The prayer, the worship meeting, the revival meeting. And that very night each of those boys became followers of Jesus Christ. Now, the other part of the story is that their parents were already Christians. They were Lutherans, but the boys uh, were not having anything of it. And it wasn't until this point that they decided that they needed to change their ways and that they would follow Jesus. And of those boys became several, preacher, several preachers and one missionary to South America. And of those boys, one was John Johnson, who was my great-grandfather, and his son was Roger Johnson, who became a Free Methodist pastor and ministered right here at First Free Methodist Church from 1960 to 1965. And from him came Linda Johnson, who married Mark Van Valen. And from them came yours truly. And so I'd like to, I like to think that from the prayers of that itinerant preacher and the prayers of my great-great-great-grandparents, that fruit is still bearing fruit today. There is no disconnect. The fruit that you are bearing today, or the fruit that you will bear, we can trace that all the way back to Jesus and his words, you will abide in me and I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit and your fruit will abide. And all over the world, this is what Colossians 1 verse 6 through 8 says, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit, growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, that's another good name, 
our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who was also told who also told us of your love in the spirit so wherever you are no matter what you're going through no matter what you've been through no matter what choices you've made even if you're planning to jump me after the service there's hope for you because Christ has died Christ is risen and Christ will come again he loves you and he has ordained you as a, his disciple to bear fruit wonderful beautiful tasty fruit may the Lord do so in our life individually and also together as a church amen Father, we come before you and we praise you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're yet to do. And Lord, we feel like this past year you've been pruning us. You've been pruning us with this pandemic, shaking us, helping us realize what is our foundation? What am I set in? What do I believe? And Lord, I pray that we would help us come to a place where we stand firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ. Lord, may this next season, this rest of 2021 into 2022, may this next season be a very fruitful season in our lives and in our church. And we ask this. Ask anything in my name, it'll be done for you. Lord, we want this. We ask this. Help us to bear fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing.